You've buried it beside a river. It's moldy. It's full of mildew. We, we have some great vocabulary in Northern Ireland. Sometimes we should use it more in our preaching. Like, What are the words to describe this linen belt that's been buried beside the river for months? Anybody? Mingin? Mingin's on my list. Stinking? Manky. Oh, I haven't got that. Manky? Okay, so there it is. The beautiful linen belt is minging, manky, and stinking. It's, it's certainly not fit for purpose. It's not doing what it was made to do. It's not doing what it was designed for. It's a weird kind of a drama, and goodness, you could go a million directions interpreting it yourself. Thankfully, we're given the interpretation, because I don't know what we'd do with this if we, we weren't. God, verses 8 to 10. God explains what he's just had Jeremiah act out. In the same way that this belt was ruined, I'm going to ruin Jerusalem and the people of Judah. They haven't listened to me. They've gone their own way. They've found other gods more to their liking and they've worshipped them instead. They've failed, he says, to model my life to the nations. Because of all this, they've become stinking, minging, Monkey, this belt, entirely unfit for purpose. We have another great Ulster expression that I think this drama has drawn us to. You know the one, um, I wouldn't be seen dead in that. You know when somebody's wearing something rare. I w- that's what God says. But he's saying it now about his people. You're gross. You're minging. Honestly, I I don't want to be seen dead in that. I don't want to be associated anymore with you. I don't want my reputation in this world to be in any way aligned with you. It's a pretty demoralizing picture. I love this passage despite that because of where it ends up. Because it's one of the most staggering images of what God's calling on us is that I know from the whole of the Bible. The final verse. This is God's heart for his people. This is what he longs. Look look at what he says. For as a belt is bound around a man's waist, so I bound the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to me to be my people for my renown, my praise, and my honor. Isn't that staggering? There are loads of parts in the Bible where we're told to be clothed in Christ. It's quite a common metaphor in the New Testament. This is different. This is where God says, I want to clothe myself in you. God wants to wear us to make him look good. 
maybe you're a little bit nervous. That feels like one of those big overreaches, maybe. Maybe your theology isn't ready to immediately accept that. You're thinking, yes, yes, people should be attracted to God, but it should be because of because they've heard a gospel message. Or but it can't be just it can't begin with what they see in, in God's people and in, in us. Well, this is the amazing thing about our two Bible passages this morning. It says that our beauty matters because it draws people to the beauty of God. I got a bit of an insight into how this worked uh, a few years ago. Uh, my younger sister was getting married, and Claire needed a, a new dress for the wedding. So I don't, I don't, still to this day, don't know how this happened. But I ended up being down the town with Claire the day she wanted to go and look. Like I, I go to Belfast to shops in Belfast on average every two or three years. Okay, somehow I happened to be there. And Claire said, come on into this shop for a few minutes. And so, so in I went. The saleswoman in that shop was genius. I mean, if I, had, if I could get what she was doing and bottle it, I, I just no, I wouldn't retire from this work because I love this work. But my goodness, she, she, was, she was fabulous. She didn't really talk about the dress very much. She was trying to sell this dress but didn't talk about it, didn't really mention the dress. All she talked about was Claire. That's very slimming, you know. That, that, that makes you look so young. You're looking at the dress, but all the chat is about Claire. And how beautiful the dress made her look. It was genius. So in that clothes shop, it was never about the dress, but it was all about Claire. The dress was good only because it showed Claire's slim figure and gave her that, that youthful look. Whenever I spoke to her and told her at the wedding a few days later, Claire, you look gorgeous in that dress. You know what she heard? She didn't hear, that's a nice dress. She heard, you're gorgeous. That dress is nice only because it's stunning on you. You begin to get the picture? Do you see now what the church is for? The church is the dress that the living God wants to wear, the the belt, the thing that makes him look beautiful. People are supposed to look at Kirkpatrick Memorial and say, they're beautiful. They must have a stunning God. I'd love to take some time to develop that theme a little bit further with you this morning, but we aren't going to have time. I'll take you back to Exodus 19 and we'll talk again about what it means to be a holy nation. I'd remind you of Jesus teaching about the the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Let your light shine before men so that they'll see your good deeds and do what? Praise the Father in heaven. They see you, but they go to the Father. I'd show you that Paul teaches the same thing over and over again in quite different ways. 
But in Titus, for example, chapter 2, he urges employees to live beautiful lives in their workplace. Why? So that they can make the teaching of God our Savior attractive. Our lives make him beautiful. So right through the Bible, the message is clear. We're called to model the life of God for those around us. To show the world what a God-loving, Jesus-following, spirit-carrying person really looks like. And when we do, and to the extent that we do, we might just find people continuing to join us in a community like this. I'm laughing. My notes here say, remind them of the movie clip. (laughs) You've got no poetry. You've got no light. You've got nobody looking and saying, man, I wish I had something of what he's got. Folks, we have all the poetry in the world in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have light to live by. Light that could make all the difference to somebody still living in darkness. And on occasions when we speak this poetry, when we live this light, we're going to find some people saying... I want something of what he's got or she's got. You see, beauty turns heads. Just a couple of months ago, I stood here with a woman who was coming into our church on a weekday morning. She wanted help with her passport renewal. And she asked me, I'll tell you this just to show that this works. She asked me, Christoph, what's the secret of your success? That's dreadful language, theologically, isn't it? But that doesn't matter. That's a beautiful question. That's the question we want to be asked more and more and more often. What is it that you've got We want people to ask us that. I have no problem with this being either individual or corporate. I want people to ask me that about my own life, but I want them to ask me about about this community too. I had I had relatives from Germany, from that community that I was describing during our act of remembrance. I had them here with me in June visiting, and they happened to be here on the Sunday when we welcomed our new communicants. And I still remember the conversation after it. There's so much life. Where, where does this life come from? We have a couple worshipping with us here this morning because a couple of years ago they felt there was something missing from their lives. They came along to our community carol service. Haven't really stopped coming since, or hardly. 
they're finding that there's something on offer here that's like nothing else. We have a young woman started worshipping with us just over a year ago because she brought her children to her holiday Bible club. Came to the service that there always tends to be at the end of that week and just forgot to stop coming. Beauty turns heads. When the watching world sees sparks of reflected beauty in my life and yours and our shared lives, they'll come. They'll come to us, but more more than that, they'll come to Jesus. This is how God intended it to be. Let's choose life, not only for ourselves, but let's choose to model life to the the world. A lot of people we know need a lot more life than they currently have. Let's pray. Father God, you you keep moving the goalposts in this life with you, not in a bad way, in a good way. You keep widening the vision, deepening the calling. And Lord, today you've told us that you have chosen to put your reputation in the world somewhat into our hands. Lord, that's terrifying. It's so exciting too at the same time. So Lord, we pray again that you would help us to love you more that you would draw us deeper into this life with Jesus, that you would make us more like him, that his beauty might be more and more and more and more evident in us. And Lord, if you want to use that, if you want to use that beauty to turn heads and to draw people to you, we'd be delighted. Lord, please use us and these wonderful purposes of yours. Amen. Just now we're going to sing together and the stewards will lift this morning's offering. There's a a line in this song, Water You Turned Into Wine. There's no one like you. Um, Today I suppose I've been thinking about the incomparability of our God and trying to share a little of his beauty with a watching world. Let's, let's worship him. That's the one thing that's going to move us, is the, the falling in love with him, the becoming like him, having his beauty in us. Let's, let's stand as we worship. The stewards will lift the offering.